Jesus said. What's that mean to you? You just hear that really quick. Don't have a ton of time, so I just want to hear from you really quick. What does it mean when you hear Jesus said? Pay attention. Nice, Jeremy. All right. What else? It's true. Good. Powerful. Good. You can rely on it. Thank you, Annette. Awesome. Outstanding. Something for you? That's really, really good. He has something for you. Unbeatable? He loves us. So true. What Jesus said is all those things and so much more. It's what we're going to build our lives on. I'm going to get right to it. We're starting a new series this week called The Way is Hard. Do you know that Jesus said that? The way is hard. What does that mean? So many of the things that Jesus said are things that are hard to understand. They're like complicated for some people. Some stuff is complicated for all people. But for some of us, it's hard in a different way. It's just hard to apply. It's hard to do something about. It's hard to take. And for most of us, at some point, it's both, right? Context, application. What does he say? What does he mean by this? What do you mean cut off your hand? What? Really? For real? And he calls us, and we're going to be looking at some of his teaching. And today, we're going to look at Matthew 7 which got a ton of difficult things to hear and a little bit complicated to understand. And then in the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at some different teachings, all from Jesus. So we're going to get right to it while we do. And as you're turning to Matthew 7, because we're going to go there, I want to give you one of my favorite quotes from Mark Twain, who was effectively an atheist, but really is more agnostic because he talked about God more than a lot of preachers do. But he mocked Christianity, and some of it deserves to be mocked. But he said this, it ain't those parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It is the parts that I do understand. You feel that? A lot of people want to just say, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And I'm like, cool, let's talk about some of the complicated end time stuff. Let's talk about some of the things that are just confusing for our culture and all that. But what about the real straightforward stuff? What about the stuff that doesn't matter what the English or the Hebrew or the Greek or Aramaic or the Latin says? No matter what way you translate it, it's straightforward. What about that? So let's get to Matthew 7, and we're going to start in verse 12. Very, very famous verse. A lot of people know this as something that isn't actually in the Bible, and it's the words, the golden rule. But this is really cool. The context of all of this is near the end of what we've talked about many times, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' longest recorded sermon, he's told them all kinds of things, how to be blessed, how to be provided for, and that those who are called by him and who pay attention to him are called to be holy, and we get to be. And he's explaining all the different ways that this looks and what it should look like in our lives, and this is where we pick up what we've come to understand as the golden rule. Matthew 7, 12, Jesus said, so... 
that so is also therefore. What's the therefore, therefore? All these other things that he said. So whatever you wish others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. He's like the whole Bible gets summed up in this. But he also said the whole Bible summed up in love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbors, you love yourself. So right here, this quote-unquote golden rule, which in his culture would have been stated negatively. Whatever you don't want people to do to you, don't do to them. Jesus is like, no, whatever you wish to have done to you, go out and do for others. Do you catch anywhere in here, church, where it says, and then your wishes come true like a Disney flick? Like you do to people and they're going to do to you. Is that? Let's, let's just read it one more time. So whatever you wish for others that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. His people knew this. It's quoted so many other times in the New Testament by a bunch of people, but I thought I would go to his little brother, James. We're going to go to James 2.8. This is as close as the Bible gets to calling this the golden rule. But he actually calls it the royal law. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbors, you love yourself, you're doing well. So right off the bat, is this hard to understand? Be real. I mean, if some of you are having a hard time, don't. I'm not calling you dumb or dense or whatever. Because some of you are like, contextually, what exactly does it mean? What does the Greek mean? I mean, good, let's get to it. But I mean, shoot. Whatever you want done for you, whatever you wish would be done for you, go and do for others. Love your neighbors, you love yourself. His little brother, James, if you don't know, Jesus had half-siblings, you might remember they had different fathers. (laughs) But he was far from the Lord, and then he came to the Lord, and in this crazy book of James, five chapters getting after it, he lays it out. You want to fulfill the royal law? Love people as you love yourself. That's just, self-care is something that I don't fully get a chance to say, I've got it figured all out. Not just my outward appearance or my inward workings or all the different things that I have going on in my life. I'm still understanding what it means to love myself and not be selfish. So it's hard, but it's not all that complicated. You know, the best thing you and I can do for ourselves is what John just talked about. We can come to the team. The leader of the team died for us. Whatever you wish to be done to you, go out and do for others. Do we have an example of that in Jesus Christ? He's perfect, though, Aaron. Yeah, he is, and he's calling us to do it. If you're his people, he says, go for this. I love it. This is a summary, he says, of the entirety of the Bible and all the law and prophets. 
One of the things that I read this week that really stood out to me is that there's a phrase that they would say to rabbis, like, how can you, well, let me, I wrote it down. What law, what way would you sum up all the teaching? Basically, it goes like this. What can you tell me about what God wants while standing on one foot? Can you just kind of get it out real quick while you're up on one foot? Now, the older I've gotten, one foot is a little more challenging. But, like, the point is, is like, yeah, he says, yep, let me sum it up for you. Whatever you want people to do for you, you do for others. And then the rest of seven, or at least till 27, is different variations of this. And so, why not? We've got time. Jesus said. So, verse 13. Well, actually, hold on. Before I get to that, I'll give you how he broke this down. He broke it down in two ways, two trees, and two houses. We're going to look at them in that order, okay? So two ways and two gates or two doors, two entrances. Jesus broke this down. Whatever you wish people to do to you, do also to them, sons of the law and the prophets. Enter, he says, verse 13 of Matthew 7, by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it, are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard, which is where we got the title for this whole series from what Jesus said. The way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Wow. There's two paths, and the one that leads to life is hard. And it's narrow, and the one that leads to life, excuse me, the one that leads to death and destruction, wide. Very, very inclusive. And the narrow path sounds very exclusive. Can I ask you to think about something for a second? We're talking about what's hard and the way is hard. Maybe it's that it's super inclusive. And the way that excludes people from life, that way is super easy. But the way, and the only way that we can find life is narrow. So narrow that it's one person. Which is super kind that God wouldn't go, good luck, Damon. Hope you figure it out. Hope you find your way. The way came first. For us. We find ourselves kind of just going with the flow, right? You get that? What's that mean, church? What does it mean to just go with the flow? Going along to get along. Whoo, gosh, that's convicting. I don't want to say anything that might rock the boat. My friend J.D. Merwin said, oh, I just... Never wanted to make my friends feel uncomfortable. Really what that meant was I didn't want to be uncomfortable. That's some narrow road type stuff. That's difficult living. So much so that Jesus said, if you want to follow me, and we'll be going over this one in this series, take up your cross. 
deny yourself and follow me. This is death. Speaking of death, some of you are like this right now. <laughs> Man, I just want to give you like a, a, a pillow, not a blanket. It's not that cold. Some of this is just so simple and you know it. So why not? Let's go all the way back to Proverbs, speaking about the way. Proverbs 14, 12. So what's the road and the gate, the doorway that leads to life? Is it, tell me again what Jesus said it is? It's hard, narrow, and boy, is that taking it on the chin. Narrow-minded. You should be wide open, open-minded. I think you should be 100% willing to talk to anybody and to love anybody. But if you tell everybody it doesn't matter, do what you like in that wide road, dear friend, that is very clearly denoted by Jesus to lead to destruction. Proverbs 14, 12, which we, he would have known and he said was part of the law and the prophets that actually gathered up all of the saying on if you want to be blessed, go and bless people, right? If you want to show love, excuse me, if you want to see love, show it. But in the, what we read today, he says it flat out, very straightforward. Whatever you wish people to do for you, go do for them. If you are in his kingdom, you've got light and life and love to give because it's limitless, dear friend. And he's the one that gives it. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way, there is a path, there is a direction that seems right to a man. But its end is the way to death. Well, we're just trying to be loving. We've talked about this so many times, and there's not one person in here who would say to a little kid, here, take these scissors Run really, really fast with them into the middle of the street and go have fun. They may be like, ooh, that sounds great. Zach was this little six-month-old kid just learning how to sit up. He was on the bed, and his older sister and me were having some fun kind of bouncing him. And then his older sister jumped, and, and he went, and I'm like, no, 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 no. And it was on me, right? But I'm yelling at her because I'm a dad. So <laughs> like, whoa, what are you doing? Oh, he's having fun. Yeah, until his neck breaks. <laughs> There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Good news, Jesus didn't leave us hanging on what is the way that leads to life. He didn't just say there's one narrow path, one narrow road. He said he was it. John 14, 6. You might remember this from our I am statements. What did Jesus say about himself? Well, he never said he was God. Not only did he say he was God, he said it in so many different ways. John 14, 6 is one of those ways. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Narrow path, narrow gate. Anybody can come to the Father, but they got to go through him. I am the way, he says. Go back just a little bit into John 10. Again, one of the I am statements. He also said something about the gate or the door. Not just something. Namely, he said, 
it's me. I was just there, and I turned right past it. You ever do that? You're going somewhere, and you drive right past where you're supposed to be going? Okay, so I'm not the only one. Excellent. John 10, 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture, rest, provision, all of that. He's the door. He's the gate. He's the entrance. All three of those words are the same word in Greek. And he is saying he's it. So he said, I'm the way and I'm the gate. So many people like, no, 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 no. No, we should be able to just do whatever we want. And God is love, so he'll totally forgive us and accept us. Church, that's bad teaching. Not that he loves us, because he will love you no matter what. But not everybody is his kid. Not everybody is on the path that leads to life. And frankly, some of you sit here right now thinking, that's really, really exclusive. Thank you, Jesus, that you made it super clear. And as we grieve our loved one who's passed, as we grieve a world that is going to hell in a handbasket, we have the answer for life. Because he is the answer for life. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the gate. When he said it's narrow, he was saying there is nobody else. Will you join me in Psalm 1? for an ancient explanation of this before Jesus ever proclaimed it in the flesh. This is fascinating to me. I've got on the screen for you Psalm 1, 1 through 3. I'm going to read 4 through 6 just to remind you that there is two different paths, one that's wide and leads to destruction and one that's narrow and leads to life. Two different doors, one that is narrow that leads to the narrow path and leads to life and one that is wide and anybody can get on it. Blessed, content, happy, fulfilled is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, not stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Who does he say is blessed? The people who aren't mockers. They're set apart, exactly, Angie. They're, by God's grace, not walking in the counsel of the wicked. And somebody right now is either listening online, watching online, or sitting right here listening going, I hate it when they call people wicked. That's just, well, that's wicked. So who's going to define wicked? Who's going to define evil? Who's going to define life? Who's going to define death? Who's going to define destruction? You? You? Aim higher, friend. God is the one. So you're blessed if you're not doing this wickedness, this sinning, this scoffer, which we all three have been. Like, we've been all three of those. But blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, the word of the Lord. 
and on his law, he meditates day and night. That is some narrow path living right there. And this could be a little bit hard to understand, a little complicated, like, hold on, wait, is he saying that I can't read or see anything else other than the Bible all day and all night? I've got to make a living. I'm not like Aaron and John and Zach, get paid to be good. <laughs> I've got to, like, make a living. I'll, just, I'll let that land on you. Meditate. That's weird. What does he mean? Maybe if you're focusing on the Lord, meditate, focus, empty yourself of all the stuff around you and focus on the Lord and focus on his word. This is what he's saying is blessed. That's some narrow path living. It's wide to get into the counsel of the wicked and the scoffers and the mockers. That's pretty easy to do. I mean, take a look. You don't even have to be on social media. Do you know that already, already, there's so many people saying, what happened in Maui is a flat-out conspiracy. Something happened in the sky, and it was a plane, and it threw down the fire, and then they blew the, and they changed the, the weather, because they can do that. Maybe. Why not help right now? Try and figure that stuff out maybe later, but it's an immediate scoffing and mocking while people are trying to recover their dead loved ones. Not going to help. Can't trust the government. That's your option. What about for us who meditate on God's law? And the law of love, right? What did Jesus say the most important law was? Love him with all that you have and love your neighbors, you love yourself. I'll give you a lot more on that in the weeks to come. But he says, this is what the person who's on the narrow path with the little gate. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And what you don't have on the screen is what it's like for the people who aren't planted in the Lord. The wide road that many people are on. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You're like, wait, John just said all of us are sinners. Yep. Until we're saved, then the new address, the new identity is found, beloved, forgiven, redeemed. Are you still going to sin? Yeah, but your word, your life, your identity is no longer that. You will do that, but that is not what the biggest thing about you is anymore. The biggest thing is that you're never going to wither. You're never going to fade away. And that's because of whose you are and who you're in. On this narrow gate and narrow path. It's Jesus. He sets us free. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. So speaking of trees, Jesus goes on with two more examples 
of what it's like to be on this narrow path, to be in this life that loves in a crazy way. He talks about trees. In Matthew 7, 15, he says, beware, look out, be careful, understand false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. On the outside, they look like they got it together. Hey, God just wants you to be happy. God just wants you to do this. God just wants you to do that. Hey, does this sound familiar at all? And I mean, look around, right? But if we go all the way back to Genesis 3, we find out that the enemy of our souls, the one who thought he could be God, Satan himself, who got kicked out, by the way, like one way, Yahweh, bam, he said, out, and he came down here. And some of us are like, yeah, thanks for that. But these people were in the presence of God. Nothing was wrong in their lives. And the enemy comes and says, oh, God doesn't want you to be like him. He made us in his image. He's not afraid of us being like him. He wants us to be like him. But he said, if you eat from this tree, you'll die. They ate from the tree, and, well, their relationship died. And then God said, I'm going to pay for that for you. Amen. But there's people who are like, no, 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 you don't need Jesus. You just need to be happy. You just need to do nice things. You just need to go out of your way to look good. Outwardly? He says, you're going to recognize these false teachers, these wolves in sheep's clothing. You'll recognize them by their fruits. That's the produce of their life. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And I'm not any kind of a green thumb. I think I killed most of Kathy's garden this, <laughs> this week. Sorry, it rained a little bit, though. So. But I understand this. You don't pick grapes from thorn bushes, but you can get raspberries. <laughs> He's just saying, look, you don't plant corn and get watermelon. You don't plant death. You don't plant your destructive way and get life. God gives it to you. You don't get it. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And we go back to the, which part of hard is this? Is it hard to take or is it hard to understand? Because some of us are like, no, actually, there's some trees that got like a bad limb or whatever. You know what they do with that? They don't go, I hope you get better. What do, what do we do with that? Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you'll recognize them by their fruits. Now, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, verse 21, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name? That sounds like doing the will of the Father. And didn't we cast out demons in your name? That sounds like doing the will of the Father. 
Didn't we do many mighty works in your name? What in the world? This is starting to get to the confusing part of hard to hear. There's people that are going to say, Lord, we're your people. And Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I don't always know the fruit in somebody's life if I'm not around them very much. I read this this week, and you can ask John in the midst of all of what I've got going on. I was like, oh, Lord, are you talking to me? And some of you are like, oh, great. If the pastor doesn't know, how am I going to know? Because <laughs> you're smarter than me. You've got the same Holy Spirit in you. We're all in Christ, right? We're all ministers. I know that the fruit of my life isn't just words. And it's not even just actions. It's a transformed life. Only God can get credit for that. And that's fruit that only he can bring about. How do I know if your life is transformed? I'm going to see it. Do you know how many pastors each year cheat on their families, cheat on their churches, cheat on their taxes, flame out, burn out, and never go back? A lot of Christians who think they're in Christ, haven't built their lives on him, they've just been going through the motions, making it look pretty good. I think I've told you this story before, and I don't have a ton of time, but welcome to my brain. When I was in Arizona with my grandfather, who recently passed away, I saw these oranges, and they're just lining this boulevard. And it's orange trees, right? And I'm like, oh, Grandpa, can, can you just go and take those? He goes, yeah, go ahead. And I'm like, what? Is that stealing? He goes, well, they're not yours, are they? And I'm like, well, no. He goes, but they're, they're public. Go ahead. I want you to, to get them. So I went, and they're huge, almost like grapefruits, but they're oranges. I'm like, sweet. And I grabbed one. And he's a grandpa, so he whips out the pocket knife, <laughs> cuts it for me, and it's dry as a bone in there. I'm like, oh, we're in Arizona, so it's bad. And he goes, nope, those are never good. They just look good on the outside. I mean, his grandson was a preacher by that time, and I'm like, this is good. Wow. Fruit inspection. Oh, we call that judgmental. Hey, check the fruit. What do people want? They want to make much of Jesus or they want you to give them something? Do you know that you're not going to catch me ever? Aaron Day Ministries. Boo. I'm not the big deal. Jesus is. But I struggle with that all the time because I care a lot what you think about me, sometimes more than what you think about Jesus, and I repent of that. I have to change directions with that. 
So we've got two ways, we've got two trees, and we've got two houses. And you've heard me talk about this a lot. You go back to Matthew 7, and Jesus said in 24, Everyone then, summing this up pretty nice, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came. And the winds blew, and they beat on that house. It may not be raining right now. It may not be windy right now. You may not feel beat down right now. But, beloved, it's coming. It does. But we don't fall. The house, he says, doesn't fall. His people don't fall because they're founded on the rock. You can go a lot of different directions for a while, but if you're in him, you're going to keep coming back to him. But everyone who hears the words of mine, these words of mine, and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, just like the other one, and beat against that house, just like the other one. But this one fell, and great was the fall of it. Its destruction was complete. You guys, I haven't even got to the fact that Jesus is talking about heaven and hell and all of this. Life and death, together with him and apart from him. We're really going to get into that in the summer, excuse me, in the fall. But I'm saying to you right now, These two ways, these two trees, these two houses, Jesus is saying, whose are you? Where are you at? Is this hard to understand? Is it hard to apply? Is it both? It is for me. But one thing I do know is that I'm not life. I'm not the source of it. I don't have it in me apart from Jesus. So I confess. I repent. How are you going to move towards Jesus today? You're going to go, well, i got to see if, um, if this really plays itself out in life. Okay. Or just take a look around you. Maybe even look within. Maybe look within your story. Maybe you can understand that Everybody's doing it has led to a whole lot of problems. Look, Zach called me out on the fact that this technically isn't a small church in America. We're like a medium-sized, maybe even closer to large church. Really? Yeah, because the average church has like 40 to 50 people in it. But we see all these big, huge churches, and we're like, whoa, wait. A lot of times the huge churches, not always, but the huge ones, Jesus is kind of left out. Because that's tough sledding to teach what he taught. It's a little alienating sometimes. So exclusive to say there's just one way, and if a tree's bad, it's going to get cut down and thrown into the fire. And there's a one house that's built on the rock of what Jesus says, and one 
house that's not built on the rock of what Jesus says, and the one that's built on Jesus lasts forever, and the one that isn't, well, it gets destroyed. That's just mean. That's grievous. Don't tell people that. So how are you going to move towards Jesus? Some of you need to flat out repent, confess, and commit your life to him because he's it. And you recognize it today above all days. You're like, oh, wait a minute. It isn't just being a part of a Baptist church or a Pentecostal church or a Catholic church. It's actually Jesus. It's actually the way, the truth, and the life. Father, I am so sorry. Thank you that I didn't die in my sin. Please forgive me. I'm yours. I commit to you. You're the way, the truth, and the life. I don't understand how all that's going to look, and apparently it's going to be hard. But I'm here for it by your grace. Many of you, if not all of you, have had that prayer, whether it's at a camp like they just came back from, or on a Sunday morning, or a come-as-you-are moment at church, or you got in a wreck and you should have died and you did it, and you're like, okay, God, I promise, I'm not going to smoke, drink, or chew, or go with girls that do. And then you just kind of fell away from that. It's time. Speaking of time, for some of you, it's like your time needs to be more well spent loving and hearing and talking about Jesus. And you put him off. And so he's ready. Like, come on. This isn't, again, like you've all been given 24 hours just like I have. And the maker of time is Longing to have time with you. Spend the time in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. Go through prayer throughout the day. Get into a small group. Some of you, you've got all that going on, but your money is yours. Don't, don't touch it, God. I'll give you a little bit, but let me, come on. I live here. I live in the Pacific Northwest. It's super expensive here. So, God, you can't expect me to live on ramen. Some of you, it's your job. It's your future. Does God want me to be like a missionary or to get into ministry as a vocation? Isn't that dying? I'll tell you what I'm going to do, God. At the proverbial water cooler, I'll talk about you a little bit more, but let's just have a deal. I still get to keep my $150,000 a year job, but I'll talk about you a little bit more. Can we do that, God? Can we make that deal? Some of you moving towards Jesus is this hard way of living, and you're like, I just don't understand it. If you don't understand it, but you want to know more about it, anybody in the congregation who wants to tell people about following Jesus and how hard and yet how good, how narrow and yet how alive that life is, please raise your hand. Any of you look around that are wondering what's it like you're like, no, because then my life will change. Oh, come on now. Let's go. There, please keep your hands up if you're willing to talk to somebody about what this looks like. There's some people up there, too. Well, I, they don't look like me. Good. <laughs> let, let this be an invitation to the way that's hard. And is life. One of my favorite movies on the planet is Princess Bride. 
In that movie, Princess Buttercup, who was just kind of a farm girl, and her little farm boy became this big deal, and she doesn't know that it's him yet. And she says that you mock my pain. And he says, life is pain, highness. Anybody telling you otherwise is trying to sell you something. I don't think that's 100% true, but I will say life is joy and pain until it's just joy in Jesus for eternity. But today, we've got a full life that includes joy and pain. The way is hard, and his name is Jesus, and he did all the heavy lifting, you and I. Eyes open, heart available, committed to him. Bear that fruit. Build our lives on him. Get ready. The way is hard, and we're not going to leave out how hard it is. And I'm not going to leave out how good it is. And you seriously got to go get your kids, so let's pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I, um, I've got so much in my mind and heart, and they've been able to sit here and listen to it. Whatever's from me, Jesus that wasn't from you, would you let it just blow away like that chaff that we read about in Psalm 1? But whatever's from you, whatever we heard was from you, from your spirit, would it take root like what we read in Psalm 1, the tree that is planted by the stream and its roots are nourished? Jesus, you promised to bring life. The winds will come. The rain will come. The house will get beat but we'll stand. If any of us know that what we've been doing isn't working and we need something that will, may we submit, confess, repent, and come to you. May we live for your great glory. God, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.